You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and right across the Zoom screen, I've got your one and only Andre Silva. Driz, buddy, how are we? I love how every time we record the show, I don't know whether you're going to call me by my real name or, you know, by Drake. I ain't going to lie to you, Max, it's really weird when you actually, because you're one of the people that actually does call call me Drake, and then when you call me Andres, I don't know, it uh, sends me a little bit of a tizzy, but Max, I am good, I am stoked, I'm ready to go and talk some FSU football. Hell yeah, buddy, let's talk FSU football. Folks, yesterday, we hit you with a camp recap, what we've heard from the first nine or ten days or so. We also went into the players on offense we think are going to be the biggest difference makers for the Seminoles. We've talked depth chart, we've talked goals that we want to see for the team as a whole, This week is all about selfishness. It's all about the individual, and we're going to dive right in on the defense. So, Drake, we're going to structure it very similarly. I want to know who your all-stars are going into the season. And look, you can take that one of two ways. I'm not super picky. You can think, who do you think is going to be the MVP at the end of the season? Who's your, like, preseason MVP? I will let you define it for the guests or for the listeners, however you're doing it. But we're going to talk... Your MVP in the box, front seven. We're going to talk your MVP preseason in the secondary. And then we're going to do defensive overall. After that, we're going to do the exact same thing, but with the newcomers that includes both the immortals and the true freshmen. You know, in fact, we could maybe even do the red shirt freshmen because I know there's a couple on defense that didn't really see the field next year. So I'll let your mind go crazy. I'll let you have a little leeway there. But before I ask you who your current returning preseason MVP in the front seven is, I want to just take a second and remind y'all, whatever you're listening on, whatever platform, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anything like that, make sure you follow us and make sure you give us a five-star review. I'll be honest, it really does help. It helps with the algorithm. It helps us get to the top. In fact, it's been fun to watch when I search Locked on Seminoles seeing us kind of climb those charts we're like we used to be the fifth or sixth podcast that pops up now if you search fsu podcast we're like you know the third or fourth it's it's cool to watch that climb and it's all because of y'all the listeners we love you we appreciate you and all we ask hit us with that follow hit us with that five stars but drake let's waste no more time who is your front seven returning preseason mvp so for my front seven returning uh defensive mvp i'm gonna probably go with someone that I'm going to start in the box first, uh, if that's okay with you. Probably with the uh, one lot. So what I probably think if this team really needs to you know, take this next step forward is I need to see hopefully an, a healthy Emmett Rice come back. And that's mainly because he probably was definitely seen as the leader of the defense. And he, we, I mean, you and I both said on our old podcast how we, we did not want to see him in the field. Numerous times we both, both said we, that. But we, we did say that. That we, is 100% accurate. But... We, but, but, but he did show not only improvements, but substantial improvements in each game over the year. And he, I think he graded out on PFF as one of our better linebackers. Now, unfortunately, he did suffer an injury during spring practices. But I want to see him come back to hopefully be, because I don't think we're ready yet to fully give the reins off to a Stephen Dix Jr. or a DJ Lundy. 
and it'll be really nice to have like a veteran presence back there actually in the linebacking spot especially when we're running a 4-2-5 so I think Emmett Rice probably for me will be our inbox MVP yeah it's just going to be interesting to see where he is health wise you know I think he reportedly had maybe a torn ligament during the spring but then we heard maybe it wasn't that serious and we all know Mike Norvell plays injuries extremely close to the vest so we don't really know what the prognosis prognosis we don't really know what the prognosis was it's going to be interesting to see what he comes back like but we did say that look I was at the point last year where he was another Dontavious Jackson to me he'd been here so long I didn't want to hear his name I didn't want to see him on the field I was I would have been happy if he had just been like you know what I'm going to go pro in something other than sports I'm done playing see a coach and then I ate my words I really did he was the only player on the team in my opinion other than maybe Jordan Travis no, that's not true. Jordan Travis gave effort every single game, and I love to see that. Several players did. That's not fair. He was the only player on the team, though, in my opinion, that legitimately made observable improvement game to game to game. I mean, he got better every single week, and it was really cool to see a guy that age who'd been really through the tumult of, what, three defensive coordinators, two head coaches, an interim head coach on two occasions, or three head coaches, I'm sorry, an interim head coach on two different occasions, missing a bowl game for the first time in the in 40 years at Florida State. A guy that's been through all that is actually improving every single game. That's great to see. You want him in the locker room, and I would love to see him on the field this year. But he isn't my preseason MVP. I've been watching a lot of stuff. I've been watching the, the scrimmage highlights. I've been all over the Twitter, even though I'm stuck up here in State College, so I can't can attend practice, and I'm also going to go to the linebackers. And while I love your pick, my defensive MVP is going to be Steven Dix Jr., and here's why. I've got two reasons. One, I think he's got massive upside potential, and two, what he's done in the weight room. You may remember, as I'm sure you do, not you the listener, I'm talking to Drake right now, I put on a pound or two in college in my day. You know, I, I may have been a bit of an aficionado of the weight room. I like to work out. Like, you know, like put on some size and I can tell you it's hard. The thing about putting on muscle is it's not like a workout for two hours. You put on muscle. If you want to put on that kind of muscle that he's put on is a 24 hour commitment. It's literally every single thing you put in your body has to be measured and has to be within your physical fitness regimen. So for him to go from, I think when he committed, he was like, what Drake, we, we talked about the other day, like 190 maybe. So there's a discrepancy at what he was listed at because when you look at 247, it'll say 195 and then you click on the link and go to high school and it'll say 210. So he was somewhere between 195 and 210 during high school. Probably, you know, the weight he gained. I mean, the, the one at 195 also is about 511. Then it's got him at 62. So probably post growth spurt. Either way, at the very least, he's put on 26 pounds in two years and it's not bad weight. You look at him now. He looks like he could go on stage at Mr. Olympia. He's freaking shredded. He hasn't lost a step, but based on the videos, he's gotten even faster. And I just love to see that commitment. So I think we're going to see a big year from him. I think back to a play I saw in the scrimmage. There was a, a, a running play where I think it was Jay Sean Corbin was trying to hit an off-tackle run. And you see Akeem Dent break down on it. And right up behind him, you see Steven Dix with a beautiful run fit. They smack. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Ja'Kai Douglas on a jet sweep. Ja'Kai Douglas is on the jet sweep. Akeem Dent hits him from the side. Steven Dix absolutely blows him up. Ball goes flying. The defense ends up recovering. That's the type of play I want to see all year. And I love that play even more because my newcomer, I'm going to say, for the box is going to be the next guy I say. 
but I'm going to save that for just a minute. Drake, who is your returning preseason MVP in the secondary, safeties and corners? Who you got? Before I go to that, I will say the one thing about Stephen Dix Jr., the reason why I didn't pick him, I think mainly because, like, I why you say he has super high upside potential. When it comes to me, when it comes to, like, you know, the most, most valuable person, I mean, I want someone that, you know, consistently be very, very well. And we saw a lot of, you know, learning on the job last year for Stephen Dix Jr., and he actually was covered up a lot by Emmett Rice, kind of, you know, covering up for his mistakes. But I think that Stephen Dix Jr. will eventually get there. But I, uh, that's why I said more with Emmett Rice. But I think Stephen Dix Jr. is actually a very good pick. But for my returning, probably for the secondary, it's Renardo Green. And I think he's the one that gets the least amount of love in the safety spot, specifically because I know we, we like Travis J a lot. Akeem Dent right now is showing out, which I think he actually is in for a big, big year for moving from corner to safety from all reports. But Renardo Green, I think, to me, has the most potential to be like a similar to a LaMarcus Joyner as safety. Small, like a little bit smaller, very quick, loves to hit. And if he can stay healthy, he definitely can be a difference maker in that backfield. So I would go with Renardo Green. Yeah, you just don't hear Green's name a lot. And I don't know if it's because the defensive backs are like the same as the offensive backfield where you just, there's everyone kind of knows all their names. So there's so many names to throw out and he's just sort of the last on the list or I I don't know what that is. Well, the reason mainly was that is because, which is, I I think you're starting to see a theme with the people I'm picking here. Renardo Green was hurt for the most of the year last year. He also was coming back from an injury. I don't want to say he wanted to be, he was going to be medically DQ'd, but I think there are rumors out that that was going to happen. But him and Emma Rice, typically to me, if they're, they're fully healthy, I think there are two linchpins of this defense. So that's also why you haven't heard much about Renato Green is that he just hasn't been able to stay on the field much as late. Okay. No, I mean, I mean that makes that makes a lot of sense. And we are hearing great things of him out of camp. For me, the defensive back returner, preseason MVP, going to be Akeem Dent. I think he is the next guy in a long line of great corners we've had. The play I just talked about, he was on that play. And dude, how many times have you heard me just absolutely bemoan our ability to do run fits? Again, a run fit, very simple. When you see the gaps forming, there are, each defender has an assignment of where he fits into those gaps. We suck at it. That play, for the first time, Jadarius Green McKnight, who I'm going to talk about as, I'm just going to spoil it, that's going to be my newcomer as a redshirt freshman, takes on a block in a very unselfish way. Drake, I think we talked about this last year. When the team starts to not do well, you start to see selfish play. And the number one thing you see on defense is guys prioritizing being the one to make the tackle versus helping the tackle get made. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like team shooting in Halo, where basically you want to make sure the guy gets down, where you both are bell-wrapping the guy down. (laughs) That's exactly right. Just like team shooting in Halo. And, And I think we saw too much of that last year, where guys be like, oh, I want to make the tackle. Well, then they end up getting blocked. They break containment, and the guy goes for 40, 50 yards and finally gets dragged down by a defensive back you know, or ends up in the end zone, a la the Louisville game. However, Jadarius Green McKnight comes downhill, takes on the block on the jet sweep. Then you see Steven Dix kind of get into his run fit, which forces uh, uh, forces Ja'Kai Douglas to try his best to go inside. And again, Dent hit absolutely blows him up. That slows him down enough that it doesn't matter. He tried to go inside. Dix levels him. Ball goes flying. Yeah, everyone would have dropped the ball. I, I, I have no problem with that being a fumble because like no. you got popped from like three different directions. No, like no, that, if, you're, that's a fumble for. I think even Derrick Henry would have fumbled that ball. Well, there's a reason every single NFL running back, guys. This is true. I know it sounds wild, but every single starting NFL running back last year had at least one fumble. People drop the ball, and you get hit by it like that, you're dropping the damn ball. And that's why all three guys on that play. 
It's, it's not just that one play, right? Playmakers make plays. So don't think, oh, Max saw one play and now he's obsessed with these players. No, but it was a great example of why I love those three guys. So Akeem Dent is my guy in the secondary. Jadarius Green McKnight, the redshirt freshman defensive back. I actually, I, I think he actually played a lot of linebacker in high school and they moved him back to defensive back, right? I think he switched off in between the two. I think he mainly did play safety. I think that's what he was recruited as. But okay. I personally have been in the I've been in the camp that I think he needs to move up a little bit more. I th- I don't think he's super duper fast. I think True. he's quick enough. But I think he, to me, he was what Jaden Woodby should have been here. Jaden Woodby was another person that you know actually is very smart. Actually does understand coverage, but he was very shy of contact, especially after his knee injury. And Jadis Green I think someone that is in the same mold, just not as as sexy as a name. And to me, that's someone that definitely should be playing a lot more linebacker. Oh, see, I love the hyphenated name because you get the three initials, right? He gets to be. Oh like, no, 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 KGM. JGM. Yeah, no, I no, I mean yeah. like, but or, J- or we could call, or we could call, call him J Mick or something like that. Plus, you know, I love the Irish last name. And dude, I, you know, I'm looking at his stats in high school. He took Dunbar to the state six A playoffs. Had a 78 tackles. That's a lot of tackles. Good job, buddy. Had 78 tackles, and he actually was on the track and field team posting an 11.4 second in the 100 meter, which, I mean, you compare that to like, uh, what's his name? Um, Yeah, you compare that to a Corey Wren. Okay, that's not that fast, but an 11.440 in high school is extremely fast. And he was even a long jump guy. Got a 17-foot, 6-inch long jump. So I love to see that. Now, Drake, I want to get your newcomers, but real quick, I'm going to do the betonline.ag line of the day. For our folks, y'all know I love to do the betonline.ag line of the day. I may be retired from gambling, but you don't have to be. If you want to make the games more interesting, throw a little action on them and do it at betonline.ag. I also like underdogs. I'll admit, I so when you listen to my picks, realize I am a bit biased towards the underdog because I don't know. Maybe it's just the maybe it's the fact that I've always felt like an underdog. You know, no one really knows, uh, but that's something for you know, medical professionals to figure out, not you lovely people that listen to my podcast. So my betonline.ag line of the day is the late night game on September 4th, the opening Saturday of college football. BYU goes to take on Arizona on the road, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time. I guess that'd be like 7.30 p.m. their time. I don't really know. Yeah, I guess I do know. It's just minus three. So 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, but who cares about that? Arizona's an 11-point underdog at home. Now, you look at this BYU team and you think, hey, BYU was pretty good last year. They bring back that coach. They bring back, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, they don't bring back Zach Wilson, the best quarterback they've ever had. The reason they were super good last year, and I think it's their name, not their personnel, that's getting them 11 points on this game. So I'm going to go with Arizona, folks. The betonline.ag where you should go sign up, use promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus, and then bet on Arizona plus 11. That means you get 11 points. So if they lose by 10 or less or win, you get to win the bet. Arizona plus 11 over BYU opening weekend. Go to betonline.ag, sign up for it now, bet on it now. Thank me later. So before we get your newcomers, uh, I gave the folks my betonline.ag line of the day. It's it's going to be, I gave them Arizona plus 11 over BYU. I think that BYU is probably overrated despite losing Zach Wilson. 
but you had taken Northwestern at minus three over Michigan State when I actually asked you and uh, when I asked you and Dave together. And and one of your big justifications was Ryan Halinski being the starter, the South Carolina transfer. But it turns out that Hunter Johnson, the Clemson transfer, just got named Northwestern starting quarterback. So do you view that as like a a reason to maybe rethink that pick or do you view it kind of how I view the Jordan Travis McKenzie Milton situation where it's like our quarterback will either be McKenzie Milton or the guy who beat out McKenzie Milton. That's kind of how I'm thinking personally. Cause um, I did watch a lot of people out there, you know, some FSU, other FSU um, podcasters out there did not think Ryan Helinski was typically that great of a quarterback. I don't know where they got that from. I think he was, you know, product of a poorly bad system. Well, Muschamp is horrible at offense. And Hunter, Hunter Johnson, I mean, he didn't play particularly well in 2019, but no one on the team actually overall did. I think he had one touchdown to four interceptions. But I don't think – I don't have a lot of faith in Michigan State personally. I think their quarterback is still either Brian Lewerke or Rocky Lombardi, and I don't like either of them. And I'm not going to take Patty – I'm not going to bet against Patty Fitzgerald off of a 10-win team with where you have Peyton Ramsey. Peyton Ramsey is not a good quarterback, and he still won 10 games with that man leading charge. So I am still going to be with Northwestern plus three. Yeah, never bet against Patty Fitz. And now you get a, you can buy it down to a little bit of push insurance at three. There's that half-point kicker if you want to risk it to get the biscuit. So I like that pick, but we are not a, we are not locked on Wildcats. We are locked on Seminoles, your daily podcast about the Florida State Seminoles and Drizzy Drake Rogers. I want to know, who is your newcomer preseason MVP. So give me your front seven and your and your uh, defensive back, either order you prefer, and then I'll hit them with my front seven newcomer. So I'm going to do the secondary, I think, you know, newcomer. And I think you already know who it is. I think I've been saying his name ever since it came from South Carolina. It's Jamie Robinson. First off, great name. It's almost like Quinn Jammer, who was probably one, that's probably one of the best names for a safety probably ever or any defensive back regardless. But to me, Jamie Robinson probably is going to be the, is going to be someone that, you know, is going to be asked to do probably a little bit of everything, play some corner, play some safety, maybe even give some, you know, run help in the box. To me, that's someone that we really do need, you know, moving forward. And I would love to see more of that. And I think that he's going to be, he probably is going to lead the team in snaps, I think on the defense side of the ball. So give me Jamie Robinson. Can I do an honorable mention in the middle of your two? Can we have an honorable mention category? Like a second, like a second team preseason MVP? He's just giving me the shoulder. He's like, yeah, dude, you're going to do it anyway. So knock yourself out. Pretty much. Sorry, bud. No, I, I just, you mentioned him. I think I'm equally as excited about Brandon Moore. I mean, you talk about newcomers in the defensive backfield. You talk about. I almost picked him. I know. I, I, I felt like we really couldn't, we couldn't do the segment and not mention him. I'd already kind of used my newcomer on a freshman, but I'm stoked about Bam Moore. We're hearing great things out of practice, and I'm really excited to see what he does this season. Someone that we've been a huge fan of, you know, since he committed, he was he was the first commitment of Mike Norvell's actual class, and that was Joshua Farmer, and that's someone that we have seen their body develop ever since he was back in high school up until where he is now as an early enrollee. You see him transitioning from the he's going to be probably the tweener, and I think the best comp I can give you guys right now, he's Demarcus Walker. He's someone that can go in, he can go out, maybe ask him to do a little bit of coverage if you really want to do that. But I think he's someone that definitely that he's an old school D lineman that we have ne- we have needed at FSU for a very very long time, and he's apparently been someone that's you know attached to the hip with Coach Odell, and Odell apparently is apparently back to being now I'm not gonna say fully focused. He's always focused on his job, but he's I think he's found a new reinvigorated love for this now for the university. So I want to say that Joshua Farmer to me is probably my newcomer to watch. 
Yeah, I just love that you've watched that young man's body develop, and and you know that he can go in and out. So that's fin- that's phenomenal. I appreciate you telling the people that. H- how much do you think that the passing of Bobby Bowden is going to affect Odell? I mean, I-, I thought about this the other night, and this may just be a tangent or a fragment, but I mean, Bobby was Odell's college coach. Like he sat in Odell's living room when Odell was a high school student, got him to come to the uni- or the Florida State University. Then Odell went on to coach under Bobby for what fifteen years or something like maybe fifteen or I, I, I can't do the mental math that quickly because I don't know Odell's exact years, but coached under him for over a decade. Then he went on to eventually be the interim head coach not once but twice on Bobby Bowden Field in Dote Campbell Stadium. You, you got to think that the passing of Bobby probably is going to have an effect on how Odell approaches this season, or, or not how, but with what intensity Odell approaches this season. Well, for one, now I know I should have known already around Max. I should watch how I use my words and use them very carefully, especially when, you know, in succession with each other. I did not mean it that way, folks. Trust me. And two, I really do think that, I mean, Odell has been at FSU since, what, nine, since he graduated and played, I think, what, one or two years in the NFL. He's been there for 20, almost 30 years now at this point. And he's definitely, he's, he's probably the prime example of someone who was, Close, super close to Bobby Bowden, who was probably used all of his teachings, all of his, you know, the way, you know, you're supposed to approach every single day, how the standard is the standard, the standard over everything probably lives and ends with Bobby. But then also, in the same respect, I kind of equate the two with him personally um, to an extent, where Bobby Bowden was, you know, the coach, you know, the coach for the longest time, and he's always the first person you think of when it comes to coaches. I think Odell, for me, is probably one of the, the first when he has to be a player or someone actually, you know, embodies the true values and the virtues of the university. That, to me, is Odell, and he got that from Bobby. So it definitely means a lot to him this coming season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you can't really think of our coaching staff without thinking of Odell Higgins. And I'll be completely honest with y'all, since y'all listen to my voice every day, I love you for that, and I'll give you something maybe I shouldn't admit on air. I didn't know who Odell Higgins really was before, uh, before Jimbo left. I mean... You know, I was in college, and I never really had a reason to know who the position coaches were. Like, I knew the ones that were bad at their job. Trust me, I hated Charles Kelly. I, I didn't really know who Adele was, but then you hear his story more, and you just, as he became interim head coach, and you see the Willie years, and Willie keeps him on. Willie gets canned. He becomes interim coach again. Uh, Mike Norvell decides to keep him on. That just kind of tells you something about him. And then you kind of look back, and you're like, man, this guy really is a seminal in the truest sense of the word. So, even if you're not 55, 60 years old, which I know some of our listeners are, but if you're younger and you maybe didn't know Odell the player in the 90s, you definitely know Odell as the guy who has seen us through probably the rockiest time in Florida State history since Bobby Bowden coached. So I'm excited to see a reinvigorated Odell Higgins coaching, which should be a very good line, including my newcomer MVP or preseason MVP. But before I tell you guys about that, I'm sorry to do this to you. I just... You know, I'm dealing with timers here, and I'm dealing with attention deficit hyperactive disorder. So, I get on tangents. Got to tell you all about Built Bar, dude. These companies need jingles. I keep having to make up jingles, and the folks don't want to hear me sing. But what you probably do want are Built Bars. I got, well, I had 12 of them in my room. I've been in state college for three days, so I have not. Oh, jeez. Okay, I got five of them left after three days. I like Built Bars. Built Bars are delicious. I got. The, the chocolate peanut butter, it's delicious. There's 19 grams of protein in that one. There's is It can go as low as 17, depending on your flavor, but as high as 19. Either way, though, five grams of sugar, five grams of carbs. It's a delicious, nutritious, healthy snack. It tastes like candy. 
builds muscle like a protein bar because, well, I mean, it is a protein bar. Y'all get what I'm saying. Go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off your order. The only thing I'm going to warn you against is you may develop an addiction and you may look better than you've ever looked before because you're replacing sugary sweets with delicious protein. Sorry, I'm not sorry about it. Buy Built Bar now. Thank me later. But yeah, Drake, I don't like, do I even need to say my uh, my newcomer in the front seven? Because you know who it's going to be. You are going to be, is it going to be Jermaine Johnson? It's going to be Jermaine Johnson. It's It's got to be Jermaine Johnson. Like Jermaine Johnson, as much as you and Dave love Mackenzie Milton, not faulting you for it, by the way, a lot mm-hmm. to love there. That's how I feel about Jermaine Johnson. Like to me, he is the Leonidas of the Immortals. And I realize Leonidas fought the Immortals, but just if Leon, if they were the Spartans instead of the Immortals, he'd be Leonidas. I mean, to me, he's the leader of the Immortals. He is a guy who, I mean, he wasn't going to start at Georgia in it's kind of sad that nowadays we just have to admit, yeah, we're not Georgia, but that's the reality of the situation. And he was going to get really, really quality second team level reps at Georgia probably could have gone to the NFL, even if he'd stayed at Georgia, but he decided to bring his talents down the street to Tallahassee. And I am fired up for it. I mean, we haven't had a true sack monster since Brian Burns. And I think that Jermaine Johnson could I don't want to see say be as good as Brian Burns. Like that's a really high standard to set. But I'll tell you what, he could be a hell of a lot better than anyone else we've had since. And I'm very excited for that possibility, especially when you look at who we have on this defensive line. I mean, we've got him, we've got Fabian Lovett at defensive tackle. We've also got um, Big Coop in the trenches. We're also hearing great things out of camp about Dennis Briggs today. I read the the Tallahassee Democrats article about the five takeaways, and they were basically gushing about Dennis Briggs. Apparently he's becoming almost unblockable. So like you got those two in the middle taking up space. You got Robert Cooper maybe starting and Dennis Briggs coming off the bench or Briggs starting and Coop coming off the bench. Either way, you're going to wear out that interior line. You're going to require offensive tackles to block down towards the interior. That's going to let the guys on the edge freaking eat. And then you take the talent of Jermaine Johnson and he could have, frankly, a special season compared to what we've seen here the past five years. No, I agree with that. And I'm probably, you know, that probably goes right into my defensive MVP. And that is exactly that. It's Jermaine Johnson. Uh, to me, that's someone that I, it, it's going to be him. He literally is probably the most important transfer. I think we got, and that does include McKenzie Milne. We need a quarterback in my personal opinion, because mm-hmm. Jordan Travis's arm, I think still needs to develop, but Jermaine Johnson, we need a pass rusher. We have this DB talent for a reason, and there's a, the main reason why Terran Arnold did not commit here, even though he's a Tallahassee native and went to Alabama, was he wanted to see improvement from our edge rushers and our defensive line because, quote-unquote, he did not want to be left on an island out there. We need to see, we need to show kids like Sam McCall, a Travis Hunter, a Cormani McLean. We need to show these kids that we're actually able to, you know, give them time and also be able to say we can actually produce a pass rusher. They're not always out there, you know, fending for themselves because man coverage only lasts for so long. You can right. hold, only hold your zone for so long. So, yeah, that's Jermaine right. Johnson, to me, is probably the most – he's the de- overall defensive MVP for me. Yeah, that's such a great point, Drake. You you can only hold a guy for so long. Look, a receiver knows the routes, and, and receivers have scramble drill practice. So if their first route doesn't work, they have two or three that them and the quarterback both know they're going to break into. As a defender, all you can do is react, which means you have to be faster than the receiver. You can only do that for so long. So it doesn't matter who you are. If you get left on an island every single game and there's no pass rush and guys have 
what, 12, 15, 30 seconds back there, however the hell long they had last year, you're going to end up with tape that makes you look worse than you are, and no one wants to be in that position. My overall defensive MVP, I'm glad you took my guy. I'm going to go one step over. Already talked about him a bit. It's Fabian Lovett. Six foot four, 310-pound redshirt sophomore defensive tackle. Dude, I, I told you all earlier on the cast that I talked to someone who gave me some inside info that apparently Lovett is like, he's adopted that money year mentality. And if you've ever played a sport, you know your mentality is everything. Like if you don't have that right mindset of like, I'm going to attack every practice, like I'm trying to make $10 million a year, you're not going to play the same as when you are attacking practice with that mindset. So if Fabian Lovett with his physical ability is back from injury and has that mindset, dude, he could be an absolute force to be reckoned with on the inside. And I'm freaking fired up to see it. So he's my defensive MVP. Now, Drake, let's, let's do something. Let's put it all together. We did offense yesterday. Hopefully y'all have gone back and listened to that. Did defense today. Who is your preseason total team MVP? I'm probably, I'm going to stick with someone I said yesterday and it's going to be Dylan Gibbons. And that's mainly because he's the only offensive lineman we took in the portal. And I think that's one of the things that we probably should have, you know, we didn't give the coach and coaches like, I don't know, say enough flack for it, but I think that offensive line was death was definitely an issue. The only fact, in fact, that we only took one is concerning, mm-hmm. but especially if they have, after the DLT injury, I, I agree with you. After yeah. that injury, they, they should have, I, I will say, I, I do hold that against them more than we verbally did that they didn't grab someone for depth at that position. Yeah. Especially cause we, yeah, cause literally only had DLT and then that. So now we depth is an issue. So now, Dylan Gibbons, you know, I have a lot of faith in them actually, you know, bringing that winning pedigree, bring, like I said yesterday, bringing that, you know, mentality of a top offensive line and helping the kids out. But the fact that he's the only guy there is that much more on his shoulders to go above and beyond because we definitely said no to other kids for other transfers that we brought in that I'm not super high on. I, if you can tell, I haven't mentioned certain names because I'm not super high on the kids. But to me, Dylan Gibbons definitely is someone that needs to show up and show out in order to, you know, to solidify their offensive line actually will be good for this year. So I'm approaching this question from the 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 hindsight perspective of who do I think we're going to be sitting here on December 15th talking about that guy was the MVP of the offense. And I think that's going to be Malik McLean. I, I am so high on this kid. They don't make ladders that could reach it. I don't even know if a Boeing 747 could reach the Super Smash Brothers floating platform I'm sitting on when talking about what I think Malik McLean can do. No joke, I genuinely believe he'll end up being a first-round draft pick, maybe a high second-round pick at worst. His physical traits, his speed, and his ball-catching ability for a true 18-year-old freshman are out of this world. Okay, first round's a bit of an exaggeration, but a second or, but a, second or a high third-round pick I think really are in the cards for him. And I think it's incredible to see what he's done in a spring game after being here for what? being on campus for three months and having like 20 total actual practices and another two, I guess what, four or five weeks of mat drills. I don't know. I'm pumped about that kid. And I genuinely think we're going to be sitting here in December looking back going, wow, thank goodness. Mike Norvell got Malik McLean to come play for this football team. I can agree with that. I don't think that's going to happen because mainly because he's a, he's a freshman. Um, but I don't, I don't hate that. I think maybe more, I would lean more towards Keyshawn Helton if you pick a wide receiver, but I don't hate that pick. Um, hey, but I want, Drake I do, says I, he doesn't I, hate it. That, that's, uh, as Nicholas Cage would say, 
That's high praise. It's very high praise, but I do want to leave the folks off, you know, with one certain thing. Oh, I was you know, getting there. Yeah, yeah, I was, I, was, oh, okay. I was getting there. So, folks, we decided that this week we need to get our aggression out. We're just, we're dudes. We work in offices all day. It drives us a little nuts. And we need to just kick a beehive because why not? So we did it yesterday. We're going to try it again today. Not try it. We're going to do it because, well, as much as we appreciate y'all listening and it's your show, it's kind of our show too. So, Drake, we've decided to leave the folks with hot takes. What is Wednesday's hot take that you're going to leave the folks with as they head on about their day? My hot take is that one transfer by the name of Joe Lang will be in the top five for turnovers on defense. For those of you that don't know what that name sounds familiar at all, he was the Holy Cross transfer, the safety that came over, I want to say, after the spring game. And apparently... He had two separate picks in the scrimmage. So you know huh. what? Top five turnovers for the kid. If the kid's actually playing near the ones, Philly G, this is for you. But I will say that Joe Lang will be top five in turnovers for our defense. That is definitely a hot take. And I like hot takes that aren't necessarily bad, right? It's just kind of like it's one that's possible. He's already what, – what do they call it? Mission takeaway is their thing? Mission takeaway, yeah. Yeah, no, I dude, I like that pick. I'm going to give a hot take too. My hot take, and, and keep in mind, folks, when I say hot take, it just means my wild prediction that may makes you go, what the heck? But I genuinely believe it can come true. I think Lloyd Willis is a starting offensive tackle for this team by the end of the year. Six foot seven, 330 pounds. He was very green coming out of high school, but he has the frame. He's got the talent. And what better coach to develop him than Alex Atkins? I got to think in his second year under that system, I don't think he was – starting that far behind he's now three year his third year in college so he's physically probably developed where he's going to develop to he's got the size and he has just as good a chance of anyone as becoming good under Alex Atkins because they all started as kind of bad and they've all been under Atkins the same amount of time so I think those physical tools are really going to start to shine and you're going to see a starter in him by the end of the year but I don't know that's just my hot take So that's our preview of who our preseason MVPs are on defense. Yesterday, we did offense. Tomorrow, to be honest, I don't really know what we have in store. Tomorrow's going to be a Max Solo episode. So y'all get like 15 to 30 minutes with me. And if you know me, if you've listened to this 100 times, you know that that could go kind of any which way. So I promise I'll try to bring some structure. I'll try to bring some organization. But I can't promise that it will be entirely rant-free Either way, I appreciate you listening, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with y'all tomorrow. You will have Drake the day after that hanging out with y'all. I know he's pumped. I'm pumped. Holly's pumped. pumped. Stacy's pumped. pumped. Everyone's pumped, and we hope you're pumped. Thanks for joining us Wednesday. We will see you bright and early Thursday morning. I'm Max. That was Drake, and this was Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Man, they probably think I'm crazy.